Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, team, for being kind. And sorry that I started so low. <laughs> Amen. You know, what I really appreciate about these guys is because they recognize it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Amen. You know, anyone who talks a lot about religion, I often wonder, where's their relationship at? And I get it that the world presses on us, religion, religion, you're just religious, religion, all that good stuff. But, man, they don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. I mean, yes, I might religiously follow Jesus. But man, I'm so thankful that he is gracious and loving and kind to us because I, I, I don't want anything fake. I don't want to be perceived as fake. And, and sadly or fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure of the way to look at that, but what you see is what you get. Whether I'm right here or sitting at Cracker Barrel or sitting at my home, this is who I am. And I pray that we all have that same mentality. There's a lot of folks who want to dress, dress it up. They want to put on their masks. They want to, they want to just follow in this religious mindset, and yet uh, they're so miserable because it's just become a bunch of rules and, and this and that, and yet Jesus wants to know you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to be real. Amen? How many like to know somebody's real? I mean, isn't it great to be around somebody just, just real? Now, look, some, be, some people that are real sometimes can be abrasive, right? I mean, you're like, you really didn't have to be that real, dude, you know? That, that hurt a little bit. But thank God for real people. Thank God for people who, who love God, who, who, who are not um, fashioned and formed in such a religious model that they can't just break off and and let their hair down. How many like to know somebody just lets their hair down, right? You've met those kind of people that they, they're, they're just, you know, you're worried about meeting them. You're worried about talking to them. You're worried about, you know, man, they're just, they just seem to be uh, uptight or they just seem to be this way. And then, then when you get to know them, it's like, man, these people are the coolest people I've ever met, right? Yep. You know, I've always been waiting for Vic to let his hair down, but it's already down. Love you, buddy. Real. Real people. You know, the thing is, is that I often wonder, is the church keeping up with population growth? And, and when you think about population growth, it's not just about the number of babies being born because they have to take into consideration both sides. They have to take into consideration the death rate. And I think churches too often are focused on new, newborn. But I believe that if we're not careful and we don't become real, the world sees through the fake. The world sees through the mechanics. And, 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 and re reality is, is we have to take into consideration how many people has the church run off? Or the church turned away versus how many churches received in. 
how many people has the church challenged to be disciples? Now, I get it. Look, there's vagabonds that will float from one church to the next because they're not healed. They're broken. They'll go from this church because, and this church, you know, somebody said the wrong thing. And they, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how many people have been turned away from the church because the church was so religious and tried to press people in such a mold that they, they walk in and they don't smell like us or they don't look like us. And they, we automatically, I can't believe they're here. And yet that's the people God sends. And, and are we willing to look at whoever God sends and say, we love you enough and we care about you enough because we understand that the world doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. The world hasn't been discipled. And why would we expect the world to come in and be discipled already? Why would we expect to catch clean fish? But God's called us to reach out into a broken world. And it might be messy. But where we need to be is we need to be authentic we need to be real. We need them to understand that we were once one of those. We were once messy. We were once stinky. We were once lost in the depths of sin. No matter how good you think you are, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And everybody needs Jesus. Amen? We all need him. We all long for him. We all want to experience God. And I just want to move past fake into real. I want to move past just being religious and into such a relationship where people grab a hold of truth from us. Amen? I mean, look, the enemy has devised a special plan to water down those who are real. And I get that. To make them think that, well, all I have to do is just come to church every, every Sunday or at least every once in a while and I'm good. But yet it's not about being good. It's about being righteous. It's about being holy. And what does that look like? It means that we have to have a relationship with God. What does Christianity look like? Well, someone will say, well, just look at Christ. Amen. Right? Now, some would say, well, how in the world can we live up to that? Because we look at Christ Jesus as being the Son of God, right? We look at Christ Jesus as being something that we can't attain to. And yet, the reality is, is that Jesus gave us the great example. I mean, some would argue because there is, there is theological terms that would say, can, could Jesus sin or could he not sin? And no matter what side of that political or that theological debate you might be on, but I believe Jesus voluntarily relinquished his divine attributes to walk on this earth as we have. That's why the word of God can say that he was, in, he was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. Jesus was able to choose not to sin, becoming the perfect sacrifice. But just in case you are one who might think that Jesus did not have the ability to sin. Let's look at someone else. Let's look at one of the apostles as one of the examples. And, and really, if you look at, through the Old Testament, New Testament, there's multiple examples of those who walked a life according to Scripture, according to God, and gives us a great example. But I believe that one that, that we can look at is the Apostle Paul. And, 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 and 
We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 14. But, but when you look at 2 Corinthians 1 and, and the first part of chapter 2, we, we see that he was, being, uh, he, he was being challenged of his apostleship. And isn't that just like the devil? I mean, one of the devil's favorite tricks is to, is to brand the truth as, it's, as a big lie. And that's what he's trying to do right here in, in Corinth. He's trying to brand the truth, the brand of Christianity that is being perpetuated by the Apostle Paul. He's trying to say, that's not real Christianity, but I'm here to tell you it is. So what I want us to look at in the next 17 minutes, <laughs> five marks or five qualities which cannot be successfully imitated. Five marks that cannot, that, that, that cannot be copied. They're unimitatable. And we find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Come on, somebody. Thanks be to God. Now, your version might say diffuses. You know, I never knew what, a diffu what diffuse meant until all these um, essential oils came out. And now I think I got a diffuser in every room. Right? <laughs> Wow, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. You know, that very first phrase, thanks be to God, one unmistakable mark of, I believe, authentic Christianity or radical Christianity is, is that it is a life that is thankful even in the midst of trial. Even in the midst of heartache, even in the midst of di uh, difficulty, it is an unquenchable optimism. And I believe that is uh, the, one of the first marks that we as true, authentic Christians walk in is an unquenchable optimism. In other words, we see life not in terms of how it feels to us, but we understand that there's a greater purpose. There's something bigger than we are, and we can walk thankfully in Him because we know that He's capable of doing all things for His glory and for our good. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Right? I mean, I think that sometimes we get confused with thankfulness, and we try to boil thankfulness down to some stoicism you know, to, well, just screw a smile on and be happy, right? We, we want to, it almost perpetuates a false sense of security because we want to say, well, oh, I've got, I'm sick, I guess I'll just be happy. But really, when you think of this, this unquenchable optimism, it's not, it's not that it denies truth. It's not that it puts aside the, the reality, look, we're not happy about being sick. We're not happy when bad things happen. We're not happy when hardships take place. It's not, that's not what we're talking about. It's reality is, is that when things happen, it hurts. It's painful. We recognize that. But, but, but what we really see is this, is that it, 
There's something greater. There's a greater result that's going to take place out of all of this. I'm not looking at the moment. I'm not looking at the situation. I understand that the same God who allows the pain and hurt to happen has something greater to take place in my life. It could be the refiner's fire that God's taking me through. There could be some things that God needs to break off of me. And the only way he's going to break those things off of me is if I go through the trial or the fire, if I face the hardship, if I'm willing to allow God to submit myself to his process, God just might do something awesome in my life. Amen? Amen. Wow. God, help us to get to a place where we're not just depending on self. You know, a great example is in Acts chapter 16. It was Paul and Silas who had been locked up, who had been put in prison. And the story, as the story goes, the reality is they've probably been beaten. They've been, they've been persecuted. They've been put in a, in a prison cell. They've been locked together. It, it's uncertainty because they don't know what's going to take place in their life. They don't know what tomorrow holds. They don't know if they're going to be killed. They don't know what kind of uh, a hardship they're going to face the next day. All they know is that they've been put in prison. And yet, even in their imprisonment, even with their uh, lack of knowledge of what will take place, even in the darkest of circumstances, the Bible says at the midnight hour, they begin to praise God. What a, a, what a genuine reality of true optimistic Christianity to recognize that no matter how dark the situation is, I know that if God put me, if God allowed me to be in the situation, that God has a purpose for me being here. And, and guess what? They didn't know that the, that the thunder or the, the earthquake was going to take place. They didn't know what the next steps would be. But because of their unquenchable optimism in their prayer, God sent something that shook the jail. And the, and the jailer's house and his, all of his home were saved. What would it look like if we had that type of unquenchable optimism? How would we change the world? How would others perceive our trials when we walk through them, if we walk through them in thankfulness. Amen. Unvarying success. The second part of that, or the next part of that verse says, who in Christ always leads us in triumph. Always. It didn't say sometimes, it didn't say part-time. It didn't say you might get you might be victorious. We sing the song, Victory in Jesus. There's always victory in Jesus. There's always victory in him. There's an unwavering success when we're walking in Christ Jesus. It doesn't eliminate hardship. It doesn't eliminate trials. It doesn't eliminate that you're going to have to endure some things in life. But if you're in Christ Jesus, there is an unwavering success because God is always victorious. Amen. Amen. I mean, when you, when you look at it, the Apostle Paul, it wasn't the, the fact that Apostle Paul had uh, reached all of his own goals. Because the Apostle Paul wanted to, he wanted to see his own home country delivered. He wanted to see them experience revival. He wanted to see them saved. Even to the point that he was willing to say, Lord, even if it means taking me out, even if it means me losing my, my relationship with you, that they could be saved. Let it happen. Of course, you know that's not God's plan. 
But the reality is, is that we view success only in the eyes of our humanity and only in the eyes of what we feel like we can accomplish. And success is not driven by what we can accomplish. It's driven by what Christ accomplishes in and through us and around us. Christ will accomplish his work. Our goal is not to, to be successful. Our goal is to have a relationship with him and be in the right position at the right time and to be used by him. Amen? I, I remember I, coming back from Honduras, you know, uh, everybody was like, man, you did this and you did that. I said, absolutely not. I just, I was just this ignorant guy in the middle of a, a different society and a different culture that just happened to say, God, however I can be used, here I am, put me where you need me to be. And, 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 and God was so gracious enough to put me in positions to allow things to happen. And praise God, it's all God, God's glory. God created the success. God opened doors. God opened avenues that I never could have imagined. It was only God. In other words, Everything that was successful could have had somebody else's name on it because it was God who performed the work. Amen? I mean, some would have looked at the Apostle Paul and said, how was he successful? He was stuck in prison, right? And yet it was in prison where uh, he found great success. I mean, guess what? I mean, Nero thought he was doing something cool when he put him in prison, but yet he did something crazy because then he put him under the Praetorian Guard. In other words, he put him under uh, his own watchmanship with his own guards. Guess who these guards were? They were the sons of noblemen. They were the sons of kingsmakers. They were the sons that would actually elect the next Caesar. And yet here the Apostle Paul is attached to them. I don't know who to feel sorry for. Because here are these guys, educated, men who were just serving their time. Here they were attached to the Apostle Paul six hours a day. And here the Apostle Paul was pouring into them and pouring into them and sharing with them. And, and, and later we can see that he made a great impact in their lives. Because you can look at, first, at Philippians chapter 1 and 12 and he, he writes this, I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And he goes on and says, it, was, it, was, it has become known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to all the rest of uh, that my imprisonment is for Christ. Wow. So here he is transforming the whole political system for the kingdom of God. Too many times, oh, poor Paul, he's in prison. Oh, it's such a shame. He's lost his ministry. He's lost his influence. He won't be able to do anything else. He's just locked up inside there. The, where's the advancement of the gospel? Nobody can do it any longer because he's stuck in the prison. And yet it was in Philippians chapter 4 and 22 at the end of this book that he wrote for all Christians. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Come on, somebody. He transformed. And here's the other side. I think too many times that we're looking for somebody to do ministry in our place. 
It wasn't until Apostle Paul was actually locked in prison that it actually ignited a flame through all of Christianity that they became a voice for, for the kingdom of God and they began to do the work. Amen? Oh, me? Not that I want to be locked up. But what would it be like if every pastor was locked up? What would be the challenge of the body of Christ if pastors were locked up and nobody else could proclaim or preach the gospel? Yes, Lord. I mean, the fact is, is that we all are bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all carry the word of God in us, and we all have the ability to have the unvarying success that God wants us to have because he's called every one of us to mission. Too many times we look at opposition as, oh, you know, the world's against us. We'll never be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish because the world just hates us. But you, if you look throughout history and every movement of opposition against the kingdom of God, it was proven to advance the kingdom of God more than it would have been if it had not been under the pressure. Amen? I mean, look, coronavirus has caused us to make a shift, right, in how we operate within the kingdom. I don't believe that Awake 21 would be accomplished if we didn't have the coronavirus. But now, the kingdom of God has become more in focus than ever before. It's not just me and my four and no more. It's not just the clique over here or the denomination over there. It is the body of Christ understands that if we don't come together, then the world will try to overwhelm us. The world will try to destroy us. It is time to be one in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't say, let us make them many as we are many. He said, Lord, let them be one as we are one. And so thank God that there are different flavors of congregations, but in reality there is only but one body. There's one spirit, one Lord of them all, and we are one in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Better move on. I'm down to four minutes. <laughs> An unforgettable impact. The third unmistakable mark that follows. We see the unquenchable optimism. We see an unwavering success. But we, we look at this unforgettable impact. It says, through us, God spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him, Christ, everywhere. Wow. Now, some people are allergic to colognes and perfumes, and I get that. But if you have met someone and they have a strong perfume on, they walk through and they go, wow, that smells good. Right? A few days later, you might smell that same smell somewhere else, and automatically you think of, that person. The aroma of that person made an impact in your life. And here, God has called us to make an impact as a fragrance in the world so that others 
can see and experience what we have experienced through the love of God. Amen? <laughs> and it's it's kind of like, you know, Chanel number five or channel number five. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> I've been trying to get that channel for a long time, but it just don't work. Uh, yesterday, we, we did the funeral for Brenda Breeden and... Lanny and I was talking about, and, and Derek, Derek was talking about the fact that she wore the perfume beautiful, and uh, what a beautiful fragrance that is. And they were talking about how that they, they thought about just spraying some of the letters that she had over there so that when people walked by, they would remember that smell of her. And Brenda made a great impact. I, as I said yesterday, you know, she would make a beeline to see me every time she was in the house. And those glasses made her eyes look big, but she'd look at me with those big eyes and that, that beautiful grin, and she'd say, I just love you so much. You know, the, the reality is, is that we make an impact. And we need to continue allowing ourselves to be the fragrant impact that God has called us to be, Right? Some would look at this, there's, there's, there's a couple of ways because if you, if you continue on that scripture, it says, for we are a fragrance of Christ, of God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death, to another, aroma of life to life. And who is adequate for these things? I mean, look, not everyone's going to experience the joy of our fragrance, right? Those who don't comprehend truth, who are walking in death, it's just going to be more death to them. But to those who are experiencing life, it is life to them. And in reality, if you look at what the Apostle Paul is alluding to when, a, when Rome would go in and conquer a, a territory or a city, they would, they would march, they would do what they call a march through the city, and they would put the people who they expected to go back and rule that city for Rome in front of the procession. And then they would put in behind, and, and those in front would carry baskets of, of perfume, and they would carry flowers, and it would be a fragrance, and it would be something um, that, 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 that would be enjoyable. But in the back of the procession would be those who were chained together that they anticipated slaughtering because of their, uh, of their unfaithfulness to the kingdom. And so what Paul is saying, that there's a procession taking place, and and we are to be those who in front who are the kingdom leaders, those who are perpetuating as ambassadors the king of kings and lord of lords. And we should be a fragrance for those into life. Amen. I'm closing. I'm one minute past. The fourth mark. Okay, I've got two more points. The fourth mark of genuine Christianity is found in, chapters, in verse 17 of chapter 2. Now the Lord is the... Sorry, I'm, I'm reading. I'm going on three, boy. I'm moving on. For we are not like many peddling the word of God. Another version might say corrupting. But as, as from sincerity, 
But as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. I think that another quality of those who are walking in authentic Christianity is there's an impeachable integrity. Look, when we understand the Word of God, we're not here trying to find a niche in, in, in the Word of God to make ourselves prosperous. I think that sadly is that there's been those who have infiltrated the kingdom of God and have become peddlers of the Word of God. You know, and I get it. Some people say pastors are like car salesmen. They're just selling Jesus everywhere they go. And I get that. And I, I don't mean... And I, I don't like that because you have some people who say, man, car salesmen are the most dishonest people you can meet. If you're a car salesman, I apologize. But too many have focused on one element. Well, they have the prophetic ministry. That church just focuses on the prophecy, and, and so you just go there for prophecy. Or you just go to that church. That church has the healing ministry. And I'm not saying that, men, that churches may not have an element that, they, that God has used them in. But what about, what about sharing the whole counsel of God? What about, what about understanding that the body of Christ, the five-fold ministry, should operate in every local congregation? That there should be prophets there should be apostles there should be evangelists there should be pastors there should be teachers right here in this church and i can look around and 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 i can point out ones who have these specific giftings in this church and i'm thankful that we are a church that can operate in a five-fold ministry and i encourage you that if god has called you in such a role then stand up and be a part of the kingdom of god because if there's ever a time when we need to see the kingdom of god coming together and working together and functioning as he's called it it is today amen What does it look like? The impeachable, unimpeachable integrity from sincerity. In other words, we've got to be real. It's not something we play around. It's not a game. In other words, we walk in sincerity. When we talk, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, it's something that should be sincere. It's something that should be from the depths of our heart. It should be something that we're passionate about because we recognize that that though we are in this fleshly body, we are no longer of this world. We've got a new king. and We've got a a new address that's, that's waiting on us. And so we're just on a journey. Just like those who are wandering in the in the desert or in the wilderness for 40 years, we're just in a journey right now. We're just being prepared. We're just, we're just being slimmed down, if you will, from all of the weights of the world so that we can enter into the promised land victoriously. We need to be sincere. We need to understand that, that what we do is not out of the base or out of the, 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 the vessel of our own being, out of flesh. It is because God has commissioned us I'm super impressed with those who serve in the military. 
And I have to catch myself because sometimes I'm jealous because I wanted to and was not allowed to. But I'm thankful for my grandfather. I'm thankful for brothers and uncles and thankful for many of you who have served in the military. And if there's anyone who understands a commission, you understand it. And just like you have been commissioned in service, we've been commissioned by by the captain of the Lord's army. And so when we when we look at an unimpeachable integrity, it, it is the fact that we are we need to be sincere, that we understand that we are commissioned and that we're walking in the presence of God. This verse says that they walk in the presence of God. In other words, we walk we walk in such a way that we walk vulnerably. We're not some hidden book that we don't want anybody to see. But we walk openly because we understand that there's nothing that we can hide from God. Amen? And so when we're walking in such a way that nothing's hidden, then we begin to walk in such a way that anyone can look at us and we don't have to hide anything. They can see our brokenness, They can see everything about us because we become transparent. Now look, that that word is not not a good word when it comes to government because they say they're transparent, but there's a whole lot of back dealings being done. But if we truly walk in an unimpeachable integrity, we walk in a way that stands before God and says, here I am. The, The word goes on. To our last point, the word goes on, and Paul says, are we here commending ourselves? Because when we truly recognize that we are here not commending ourselves, we're here to lift up the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're here speaking in Christ Jesus. So if you're speaking in Christ Jesus, that means that The same Jesus who conquered death, hell, and the grave. The same Jesus who took the keys from Satan and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Come on. We we serve that Christ, and then we speak in Christ Jesus that authority in this world. When we sing, speak the name, we speak the name of Jesus because we walk in authority and in the power of God, in the presence of God, and with sincerity, and we walk in integrity. Amen. Amen. And lastly, it leads us to an undeniable reality. There was a pastor, friend of mine, who they ended up selling their old facility and moving to a new facility, and and the church was. You know, in transition, it was hard. It was hard for a lot of the folks who had, who had grown up within the church. It's kind of like it was very hard for this church to move from Montvale Station to here. People had spent their lives making chicken dinners to raise money for that facility. They did so much. 
And, and, and when they transitioned, that church transitioned in a new facility, it didn't seem to be the same atmosphere. The church began to do some different style of music, and, and that was hard. Because not only were they not in the same facility that they had found comfort and hope in for so many years, maybe experienced God move in so many different ways. And now they're in a new facility, there's a different style, a different feel, and they were struggling with that. And one lady came to the pastor and she said, I just feel like I just can't go here anymore. I I don't feel like home anymore. And the pastor tried to encourage her and love on her and About six months later, the son of that woman who had been out of church for so many years started coming. She didn't, she wasn't there, but he started coming. And in that new atmosphere, in that new arena, he turned his life over to Jesus Christ and was transformed by the power of God. She came back to the pastor a few weeks later and said, Pastor, please forgive me. Because I was only looking at church as if it was just about me. And now I realize it's about the kingdom of God. And I I see the fruit of what is taking place. Look, you can't deny the reality. When God does something, he does it. Paul looked at all of those Corinthians and they were questioning you know, are you real or do you, you know, he was saying, do you need letters from me? If you look at the first part of chapter 3, do you need recommendations? And then he looked at them and says, you are my letters. You are my recommendation. What's happened in you, the life transformations that have taken place, you're that. What's the secret of all this? Because it sounds overwhelming. It sounds difficult. But the secret is this. We find ourselves in Christ Jesus and not in ourselves. How can we live these, these characteristics? How can we live authentic, authentically in a world that is full of fake? We just surrender to Jesus. We just say, Lord, I can't do this, but you can. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm willing to follow you. That's what this is all about. I pray that we are a church that is authentic, a church that is real, a church that's not here just to fit a religious bill, a church that's not here just punching my ticket, just doing my duty, but a church that says, I want more. I want to live for Christ. I want to do what Christ has called me to do. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to be activated. Tim, come here a minute. Come here a minute, buddy. Even with this Alabama shirt, it'll be all right. Brother McGarry's happy. This, this past week, I've loved 
the text that he's put onto our MCOG family page. He said, I need prayer. I'm struggling. I need help. It was a rough week. Sent me a text personally and said, Pastor, I'm ready to be activated in the kingdom of God. Pastor, I'm ready to join the church. I want to be a part of what God's doing. Isn't that amazing? Man, if everybody was willing to say, I'm struggling, I need help, but I'm willing to be activated. Too many times we'll say, well, I'm not good enough. Well, I've got this problem, so I can't do. Yeah, look, God wants to activate you where you are. It's Him who does the good work in you and not yourself. It is Him who is healing. It is Him who is restoring. It is Him who brings life. It is Him who brings deliverance. If we'll just submit to the process and say, Lord, I might not be able to stand up in front of anybody, but Lord, I can stand at a door and greet somebody. Lord, I can stand in a parking lot and park somebody. Lord, just put me in a place. Let me serve. I want to be a part of your plan. Thank you. I know you're going to get me after service. But thank you. Maybe that's you this morning. So, Pastor, I'm ready to be activated. I'm ready to step in. I see the, I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be superficial. I don't want to be, just be seen as, as words. I want to be seen as a part of your plan. Today, I'm ready to commit to activate in the kingdom purpose. Today, I want to commit myself to the plan and action that the Lord wants me to do. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand, would you stand right where you are? Yeah. Man, it's exciting, guys. We, we've, it's fixed to get real around here. Amen. If, if it, yeah. Father, God, I pray right now, Lord, God, that you will quicken them by your spirit. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. I pray for an anointing to fall fresh on those, your servants, who say today, God, I want to be used by you. Lord, I want to surrender to your plan, God. I don't want to be seen as fake. I don't want to be seen as superficial, God. I want to, to walk valiantly for the kingdom of God. Lord, I want to submit myself to your purpose, to the journey that, you're, that you've got me on, God. Shake, shape me, mold me, break me, whatever you have to do, God. Just let me walk in you, Jesus. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing to rest on them, Lord, that your glory will be revealed in them, that your anointing will rest, that your anointing will be... be perpetuated wherever they go, that wherever they touch God, that the glory of God is revealed. Thank you, Jesus, for sincerity. Thank you, Jesus, for integrity. Thank you, Jesus, for victory that we find in you. Thank you, God. 
for optimism that says we will not be deterred by everything that bombards us from the world, but we will walk thankfully because we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know that we are your, your children, bought the price. We know, God, that you are walking in us and through us. Encourage them. Anoint them. Commission them. God, use them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will we stand together? After service, we have a a children's vision casting moment. If you have already RSVP'd, we're so thankful for that. But where the impact starts, we have to start impacting our children. We have to impact our young people. The world is trying to desensitize our children and our young people within the school systems. And sadly is, is we don't get our children and our youth but a couple times a week. But the world has them seven, eight hours a day, five days a week. We, we need to be a church committed to transforming children and young people. Absolutely, discipleship needs to be for all ages, and we, we, will, we will focus. But we need some folks who's willing to say, I'm willing to, to step in. I'm not saying that you have to come in and you're committed for every Sunday. If we had enough people who'd say, I want to be a part of the children's ministry, I want to be a part of the youth ministry, if we had enough people that would say, I want to be a part, you might only have to serve once a month. But then again, you might be like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Woo! Let me do it every day. Bless your heart. But we do need you. I've heard people say, well, I used to teach a Sunday school class. I did that for 10 years. Has Jesus come back yet? No. We still here, haven't we? Then we still need you. One of my greatest teachers that, that truly impacted my life was Sister Dot. I was eight years old. I know I was an ADD, wild as a buck kid. I know she had a hard time with me. But that woman and her flannel graphs and her stories, I will never, ever, ever forget. Will you be one of those dots today? I encourage you. There's going to be food. Come. Be a part of the vision casting moment for our children's ministry. I believe that you will greatly uh, appreciate and value where we're going. Amen. Love you guys. Father, thank you, Lord, for Awake 21. Thank you, God, for the opportunities we have to, to collaborate and to walk as one body in this community. And Lord, though we may not see eye to eye on everything, I pray that we will be able to focus on the one thing that is certain, and that is that you are our Lord and Savior, and that you are the way, truth, and life, and there is no other way but through you, Jesus. And God, help us to, to focus on those elements 
and encourage one another in this last day as the world tries to tear us down. Lord, let us build each other up. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys.